Welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, mindset coach and love consultant, here with you today to talk about the real Cinderella, happily never after, that our brains are so filled up with this addictive and all-consuming kind of love that it can really traumatize us, and especially women. Our culture makes us believe that love will save everything. And trust me, I am a true believer in love. But putting yourself and loving yourself first is the only way to attract and to be in a healthy relationship. I truly believe there's so many people out there, maybe in the wrong relationship or in a relationship just to be in a relationship. Today's guest, Jenna Davi, is going to tell her story of being young, of being naive, and thinking that she was in the Cinderella love story. But it was marred with addiction and non-compatibility and immaturity. I really commend Jenna for sharing this story because so many of us need to hear other people's stories so we can identify where we may be falling short as our culture does not support that idea of self and self-love first. Without further ado, Jenna Davi. Welcome, Jenna. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you and hear your story today. Um, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Jenna. I'm the creator of Shocker Codes. It's a system of self-development using one's unique chakra coding. And um, I'm actually very excited to be on because I would never be here creating Shocker Codes if it wasn't for my heartbreak, really. So um, I'm very grateful to be here and doing what I'm doing and growing that business. But I also have to thank my ex for that <laughs> and the heartbreak for that. So I, and sometimes it's hard to see when we're in the middle of it, but I think looking back in hindsight at all my difficult traumatic experience and especially in relationships, um, and I guess we can take it as a learning experience or we can stay resentful. Yeah. Yep. That's so true. It's, it's really important that we take whatever feelings we have and we have to transform it into something positive. Otherwise it can totally bury us. Not saying that's easy to do, but that is definitely where I hope most people would want to go and work towards. And and I say that in working with all my clients and they're like, why me, this trauma? And I find the people who experience the most difficult stuff gets their heart broken open and they become more compassionate and more spiritual and sometimes like you find their true calling. 
Yeah. Sometimes you kind of have to be shaked a little bit. <laughs> you have to go. I don't, I no longer see maybe trauma or hardship as something. It could feel negative, but it's actually an opportunity of growth. I, I was driving when we were doing the interview, the things that you were talking about and the passions you had about how hard online dating is and how things aren't going in a great direction to support healthy relationships or, or support um, healthy ways of meeting people to date. It's weird because at the same time, it's, it's kind of cool. Like we can meet so many more people. We could... Um, yeah, have more opportunities to meet people, but it's weird. Meeting online is really weird. Um, you're looking at people's profiles, which is just like a marketing scheme, really. And mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if there's a, a happy medium to it, uh, especially since all the younger generations, like this is what they're being built into. Like this is what they're learning on how they not only make uh, connections, but how they communicate with other people through text. And I'm not sure I I like it. Um, but who am I, but hopefully there is some good mix of not only meeting online, but just going straight into person and building strong relationships in person and kind of bypassing the online marketing, self-marketing stuff. Yeah. Your, your passions like mine, I want to, like I keep saying, I want to crack the code and, and find it, you know, a positive way to approach it. And as we talk too, do you think you talk about younger people? Are you hoping your story will educate and inspire younger people? Yes, because I wish I had someone, I wish I had a guide or someone kind of looking over me during the whole time I was going through it and just, they didn't have to tell me what to do. Just like, let me know that I wasn't alone, that what I'm feeling isn't weird, that um, I do have a right to speak my mind, that I could leave uh, that this Cinderella story, it, it's, it's not uh, the perfect, re- it's not about finding the perfect relationship. Like that's, there are so many things I wish I had guidance on. And I see that in a lot of young people, they get really attached to people and then they don't know that it's okay to just it let go, move on. That when it, that sometimes it does stop working and just because you have feelings or feel love or had this maybe fantasy about what the relationship should have been like that you can let go. And I think people want to just hang on and go back to that feeling again. Yeah. And- it's an addiction. And I, I do think there's actually biology to it too. You know, like there are certain hormones that get released oxytocin, which gets you connected to your partner so that the the female feels, feels safe and making, having a baby feels protected. Someone's going to protect her. So she's not so vulnerable while she's growing a human and, you know, wants to pair, pair bond. And then I think we just almost got too smart for our own good. And now we have so much stimulation on the outside and, yeah, it's getting a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on. I feel like too much is placed on that feeling of attraction, that chemistry, and not and like I teach my clients, I'm like heart in head. Sometimes I warn people if you're that intensely attracted to somebody, oftentimes it's not such a great thing. Yes, yes, because, and again, like, I'm not a doctor, I don't know, but I will say I've gotten, when I get into something, I like research the the hell out of it, and I get real deep on things, and yes, it's almost like a red flag, it's like, what, 
Why is the pull so strong for you? Is it so strong because it is fulfilling a need that you are missing? Like, for example, you have abandonment issues or you're lacking self-worth or whatever. And this person, for whatever reason, fills that hole. And it's such a desperate need of love and to heal it. Then the person attaches to that person thinking that that's the answer when really it's not them, it's you. So yeah, I totally agree. If the higher the stakes feel and the more adrenaline and chemicals that have been released in the brain, it's almost like, why is it such a high stage stakes emotion? It sh- I think it should feel more exciting, but more like a um, nice spectrum of not overwhelm, but comfort, like excitement. I, I think that is a definite healthy basis. It's like there's some um, excitement, but there's not urgency. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, let's jump into your your story. My Cinderella story. Yes. Oh, quote. We were quote <laughs> fingers. Yes. Cinderella. Yeah. Yes. All these um, princesses that we've been shown by Di- Disney being saved by the prince. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I guess I'll start off by saying. Uh, I was slash M a musician, but back in my twenties and all of my teens, I, my destiny in my mind was to be on Broadway, be a musical theater star, be on TV, film, act, dance, the whole thing. And I was on that trajectory. I was were like constantly in rehearsals, doing shows. My whole life was engulfed with music and creativity and all this. And I transferred to a Cal state in, um, in the LA area and I had a plan. Um, I was making music with a studio. We were going to demo it, give it to Warner Brothers, Sony. So, like, I was going places. I was getting calls to do shows. I wasn't even having to audition. Oh, my gosh. You were, you were on your way. I was, like, I was getting there. And still, so you never know. It didn't guarantee anything. But I was in a spot of the best opportunity to be do the best that I could if I got, you know, the opportunities. So... I think it's important that I say this because this person, I allowed myself to give all that up for this person, but um, we met in college and he was also, he was a music major and he actually really liked me and I didn't want anything to do with him because I was so bit, I just wanted to go to rehearsals and my whatever. And he chased me for weeks. Finally, how it happened was we hung out at someone's house. Oh, there was a house party. Oh my God. There's a house party that I went to and he happened to be there. And him and I went outside and we smoked weed together. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we just kind of were inseparable till then. And it's important I bring this up because I'm not like, oh, drugs are bad or whatever. I smoke weed still every now and then. But addiction plays a big role in my life because he actually turned out to be very uh, reliant on uh, weed, marijuana. And I didn't know this until I was already invested. But because um, I usually don't smoke, so I was confused by the emotion. And, you know, you feel close to someone and you're having these great, deep philosophical conversations or whatever, and you start feeling really connected to the person. That was my safety. Um. So long story short, we become inseparable. And during this, this three months of time, we were smoking weed like every day. You know, I'm a vocal major and the performing artist was not good for me, but I was not saying no. I just didn't think about it. I was 21. Um, 
But yeah, I I look back and weed was a part of everything. Uh, if we hung out, weed was there. If we went somewhere, it was either we were getting weed or we were going to smoke somewhere. Like it was just a part of the whole thing. And you know what I think twofold is like you talk about attraction being addictive and him like a red flag too is him chasing you so much and like in want you know in wanting you and chasing you um kind of stands out to me and then already being an addictive thing with the chemicals that go on naturally but then having another substance it's put a in that addicted, yeah it's like a double addiction Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. And love is addicting. Like you're, you're releasing endorphins and dopamine and it feels so good and you want more of it. And when we were together, we were like in this bubble of just perfect love. Like it was so perfect. Like I would sleep over his house. He lived close to school and he would have a class before me. So I'd wake up and breakfast would be made and coffee ready and like a little sweet note. Like it was so just beautiful, all these things. Um, so it got me just hooked, more hooked and hooked. So was this, this your happened. was this your first relationship? I yeah, like first major one. I've been in other ones before, but never. It was like a love bomb. I do believe that if I wasn't smoking during this time, I would have been able to separate myself and be like, hey, my priorities are like my career. I really want to go to my. Like I have the show I'm in, like I need to work on my health. Like I can't hang out and smoke weed. I, I got to memorize these lines. Like, but I, I'm telling you, we would smoke and we would literally just kind of melt into this love bubble, which I loved at the time too. I mean, who doesn't love just someone doting on you and just like, you feel so connected with this person and the rest of the world just disappeared from me. And he became the only thing that was important to me. He was my priority. Um, and I do think I loved him, but again, the weed or any substance, like that's why when now, if I ever meet anybody, I really try to let's not meet at a bar and already start even the the first date with the drink, which I don't really drink anyways, but like, let's go do something fun. Let's go to the beach. Let's uh, go on a hike. Um, let's even see a movie old school. Let's go see a movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, and I get it. Dating is so nerve wracking, especially online when you haven't met them first. So you're meeting someone for the first time. Yeah, I get it. It's like, okay, let me just take, let me have a drink. Even just seeing the drink, I'm sure for some people makes them feel calm. Like I said, I'm not a drinker, but I, I get it. You know, um, I've gone on some dates too, when I would show up to the bar and they, they would get a beer or wine or whatever, a cocktail and be like, Oh, you know, could I just have like a seltzer or a Sprite or something, or just some cranberry juice? And it would make the guy feel so awkward. Like they wouldn't know how to handle me. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't need oh, to. Well, drink. that's a red flag right there. That's yeah. a red flag. I've had a similar experience where I I didn't get you know, actually it was like going through like a very like a detox too and I was eating really well and and I'm like I don't care if you have a drink and he's like well I hope you drink I'm like well that's odd yeah. so yeah back to uh, back to the boy when things started to go really wrong or downhill was when he got an opportunity to move to Vienna, Austria and get his master's from this incredible um, master teacher in guitar and classical guitar. And he actually was born in Vienna. His dad is Viennese. So he spoke German. He like, that was comfortable for him. 
I had only known him for three months at the time when he asked if I would come with him. And I remember, fast forward a little bit, he had already left to go to Austria. And this was three months. I'd only known him for three months. He calls me on the phone and I remember he cried and he was like, I need you. I miss you. Like, I want you here, like all these things. And my heart just broke. And instead of me, that was my perfect time to detach and go back to my life and do what I need to do. Instead, I turned my life upside down to go so basically move to another country, forget myself and be there as a support system for him. And my major was a music major, but I convinced the dean, I convinced my parents, I convinced all the teachers to change my major. And remember, like, by the way, as a music major, you have to audition to get into these schools. They only pick like five guys, five girls to get in these programs. And I only had one year left. And I'm now asking to just like drop out of this. You had one year left. Yes, on doing what I love too, you know, I was just like... And did you, um, I'm like, during the three months before he moved, did you have any wary moments or stepping back a little bit and being a little concerned about where you were going with this? No, because after we started smoking weed and hanging out all the time, the love bubble we got to was so addicting and so, and I will say it fulfilled a lot for me because I grew up, my family's great. I wanted to say that my family's great, but I grew up in my eyes, because I know they'll say differently, in my eyes as a black sheep. I was never the good sister. I was always too loud. I was always causing trouble, you know, um, and I felt neglected and I never felt a part of a family unit. And all I wanted was to like play with my family and be accepted. And I now I have a guy that completely accepted me, not only accepted me, saw me as like this perfect human, which is not true, but I was getting this attention and love and this hole that I've had was being fulfilled by this guy. He saw you, he knew you, he got you. Yeah. And that's beautiful, but it was done in a way that was unhealthy and toxic. It was done through constantly being high and smoking and young love, which I no longer am mad at myself for, but I just wish I didn't get so deep so fast. Like I wish I had someone to be like, Hey, uh, and yeah, first love too. And I was reflecting on my first love. I had no ifs or Questions about opening my heart is what, because it hasn't been hurt. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't know the pain of it and how pure it was too. Yeah. And it feels good. Oh my God. It felt so good to just be like, this is me. And these are my stories. And let's talk about like everything. And, and the sex was great. And you know, you're high and you're like, oh, like, <laughs> and we were both music majors and we were both had the same passion for music. We ended up being together uh, um, for six years. We only, we never made one song together. We attempted to, but that was a huge red flag for me. I was like, this is what we do. And all we did was smoke together and just into a, the couch and like pet each other. And it was sick. It was really, that's not love. That's uh that's addiction. I don't know. That's escapism. Um, but I bought into it and I just didn't realize that's what was going on. So 
three months into it, he's already left for Vienna, Austria, like cries for me to come. I go, yes, of course I'll be there. Um, changed my major to independent studies and got the dean to sign off and got three teachers who basically all I had to do was we uh, email them every week to tell them I took my ballet class. I took my voice lesson and I, and I uh, took cultural studies. I saw a play or an opera as my listen. And on one hand, I was like, what? I, I was so unguided. Like how dare a university just let one of their students like fuck off like that. I'm sorry. You sound but, like you were pretty convincing. I was very convincing. I, I'm like, I can tell. I'm like, that's another thing about love. I'm going to make this happen. I manipulated myself. And everybody else. And, and my parents too. I, I, cause my parents are like, uh, wah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, mom, dad, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna go to Vienna, Vienna, the capital of music. And the thing is, I convinced myself too, because I was like, this is great. I get to, and I, what I did do, I have to give myself this is I didn't let myself go completely. I made sure I found a good voice teacher and oh my God, I learned so much about music and vocal performance. I took acting classes. They were in German. It was very hard and I am horrible at language. And I found a ballet in a modern dance school. So like I did make sure that I did stuff, but other than those few hours a day of doing music, dancing and, and acting, all I did was go home and just like be there for him um, and practice. And I was stuck in this bubble. I didn't understand the language. It got bad real fast, but um, yeah, I tricked everybody. It could have been an amazing time if I went alone, but I didn't. Um, so yeah, your, we, your priority wasn't school, although you let you let everybody else believe that. Yes, I, and I tricked myself. I had I didn't have a record deal, but I wrote these songs. I went into the studio. We created demos. We were going to start pitching it to Warner Brothers, Sony. My dreams were like coming true. <laughs> You know, like I was just like, oh my God, we, we filmed a music video from a song what? I wrote, like I wrote this song. That's, like, that's amazing, Jenna. That's awesome. amazing. Oh my God. It was awesome. We, we hired backup dancers. We had a whole makeup crew, the film. I mean, I was like, this is my dream. Um, and someone else funded it. Someone who believed in my talent was like, let me pay for this. And, um, then we'll pitch it to Sony. Like he had connections. Anyway, wow. so I say these things cause like, it was so obvious to me. Like, how did I give this up? You know? Well, and the universe was providing for you too. Yeah. Like it, yeah. Oh, okay. But you know, it brought me to where I am today. So, and also. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there's no guarantee anything could have happened. I could have done all that work and, and all, like a lot of artists, you pitch it and then they're like, we'll pass, you know, who knows what would have happened, but the. So did you, you didn't, weren't able to see it through then, right? Now, this is when things started getting weird. I hadn't even moved to Vienna yet. Oh, you and hadn't? After, I wow. hadn't. And after I told him, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there for you, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, he disappeared. What? He's, this is a person that we were texting constantly, calling constantly, hour-long phone calls, whatever. He was crying. He needed my support. Like, you needed me. 
the moment I said I would be there and I changed everything to be there and I moved into his mom's house because I gave up my apartment, had to move into his mom's house before I then flew over there. You know, I needed somewhere to stay. Once he knew where I was, like there, disappeared for like five days. And that's a long time for the habit of the like constantly being on each other. I bet that was so confusing for you. I had a panic attack because I was like, oh my gosh, I just gave up everything for this person that's not contact. And then this is where it gets tricky because then I turned into this girl that I got almost gaslit because then I was calling, you know, it was, um, he went for a summer program before he then went into the main program there. So other people that I knew from the school were also abroad in the summer program because we were all music majors. We were all in the same department. So then I was the girl calling all of his friends that were over there going, have you seen him? Where is he? Can you tell him to call me? Like, I hated myself. I hated myself. But what, like, I was freaked out. That's the drug addict looking for your drug. Yes. I was completely, you know, and I was crazy. I was like, oh, my God. And then when we got on the phone... He was like, hey, calm down. I'm okay. Like, I was just taking a few days off. And and then I got tricked into thinking that it was my problem and that I was a horrible person and all this stuff. And that you were overreacting and you were being Uh unemotional. Yeah. I still, to this day, don't understand what happened there. I don't know. He could have cheated on me. I don't know. Maybe he knew in his mind that he had me and he could just like, I don't know. But um, that's when I saw a real taste of his baggage. And I, I want to bring up baggage because we all have it and it's going to be there. And now I see relationships as being not finding the perfect person, but finding someone whose baggage complements yours. Like their baggage doesn't trigger you, doesn't send you down toxic loops of unhealthy behavior. It's more like their baggage is something that you could hold space for and support them on the sidelines as they deal with it. So I get over there. Um, Long story short, it was hell. He was smoking constantly, and I had it in my head. We'd be making music. We'd be studying music together. We'd be seeing shows and operas. Like, Mozart started. I mean, we lived down the street from one of Beethoven's first houses. Like, it was so cool. And he would not want to see anything with me. He'd just want to sit there and smoke weed in between his training And then I would stay home and smoke weed with him. And this is the problem. I lost my backbone. Now I look back and I go, hell yeah, leave. (laughs) Leave. But there I was just like, I didn't know what to do. And so then what I did was I started smoking weed just as much as he did so that I could be connected in some way. And I did remember he could speak the language and we were at this dinner party and all, all of them were speaking German and their English is better than my English. Like their English is great, you know? And so they would speak English with me so I could participate. And then because he wanted to practice his German, he would respond in German. And then everyone else would just start responding in German because like that's their first language. And so I would just sit there and be like, oh. and then I would be the girl that's kind of like nudging him going, hey, babe, can you, what are you guys talking about? And then he, he was would, isolating you. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't think he, listen, we were young. I don't think he realized this. I truly don't. I know none of this was done on purpose. So that's why I don't want to paint him into a horrible person. The story really is don't don't relinquish your power. Don't let someone 
don't put someone else first. Like all these red flags that were happening were for me to learn how to step up for myself and and be there for myself and say like, bye. But it got to the point of me trying to negotiate with him so much about when to use or when to smoke or not. And of course I could, the thing is I couldn't not smoke. This was my fault. Why didn't I just be like, you can smoke. I'm not going to smoke. I couldn't do it. Um, So I remember we went to a psychiatrist and I didn't know what the psychiatrist was saying in German. And he was there translating, telling the doctor my my feelings, how I'm feeling, what I'm going through. And they're talking. And I remember we left the office with some pills that I took for two weeks. And I think they were like some sort of uh, antidepressant tranquilizer pills. And uh, to calm me down, because I, (laughs) yeah. Oh, and I took them. Um, again, I don't want to paint him into an evil person. He was a 21 year old selfish wanting to smoke his weed and play his guitar. Like I get like, it was just, we were so both young. I think he thought he was helping me. Um, we just weren't aware. I I just, anyways. So after two weeks of taking those pills, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm I'm not taking these pills. Um, So long story short, how I ended up ending that relationship was that it started getting so bad that I was so depressed. My parents were this close from hopping on a plane to come to Vienna and literally drag me from him and take me home because I couldn't leave him. I couldn't leave him. And And they finally, you couldn't cover up your depression or your sadness anymore with them. Couldn't cover it up. Could not, I was, every single time we went, it wasn't Zoom at the time, what was it, Skype? Every time we'd Skype, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing so good. Like, seriously, and then just, like, falling. And uh, and the thing is, I did, what I did do was um, I auditioned for, the thing that I did that kept me going was my music. Um, if it wasn't for my goals with music, I don't know what would have happened to me. I would have just rotted away and been his support and just like been that miserable numb woman with her the man but um I made it a goal to get into the Vienna Conservatory of Music in their master's program wow yeah and they only accepted I think at the time it was six guys six girls and um I had trained and trained for this and it was all in German. I took German classes. I made it to the top, I think it was like the top 12, top 16 people, um, eight guys, eight girls. And then they had to cut four of us, two guys, two girls. And then they had their class. I made it to that top. And I remember for the last girl, it was me and another girl. And they just sat there and they sat there. And finally, they called my name to dismiss me. But what I found out from one of the teachers was that the only thing that kept me from staying in that program was the fact that my German was so horrible. They're just like, we can't. She's so good, but her German is so bad. Like, how are we going to keep her for three years? So the thing that finally did it was, uh, yeah, I was so depressed. Like, I couldn't even wake up in the morning. I was working under the table at this bar that opened at 6 p.m. and closed at 6 a.m. So I was, like, working for 12 hours and, like, my sleep schedule was all... I was so unhappy not living my life. Um, so I asked him if you would, if you knew in the very beginning that I didn't want weed to be as m- much a part of our life, um, 
would you have even asked me out? Would you even want to be with me? No hesitation. He was like, no, no. If he knew that I didn't want we to be a part of our relationship as much as it was, didn't even flinch. And I don't know what happened, but something clicked and I got all of my stuff and I stayed at a friend's house, bought a ticket and got back home. And I don't know, I don't remember the flight. I, I remember a blanket, but I like blacked out the whole thing. I had, I just you got myself. Dissoci- you totally dissociated. What ended up happening is after I came back home from Vienna, I had to regroup, um, which I lived with my dad and it took me like six solid months to regroup. And again, I just, I did all music, everything to distract me, but I was distracted. Like I would wake up early and work out and then I would cycle 12 miles to the ballet studio, take three, four ballet classes back to back to back, just like just getting out of my head and then cycle back home 12 miles, go do a night shift at the restaurant, come back home, pass out. Like I couldn't think. I couldn't think. Um, You were afraid to feel. um, And I think what would have helped the most was to sit there and with a professional who would just let me feel for hours and just talk it out. But you know, I was like 22 now at this time. And I was like shocked like totally traumatized and shocked by everything that just happened. Unfortunately, um, he started to reach back out again. And he started to say things like, I made such a mistake. I miss you so much. You're my life. Like I think about you every day. And for six months, tried, tried, tried. I said, no, 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 leave me alone. Blah, blah. The one thing that did it was that there was one photo. This is another thing. Keep your boundaries. And this is what I, this is the hard thing I had to learn. He sent me a picture, our first picture we ever took together at this beautiful viewpoint. And it's just us looking at the ocean and it's our back. So you can't even see our faces. But it was such a special moment. He mailed me that photo and wrote this really beautiful note on the back, basically saying like, I was in love as blah, blah, blah. Then he comes back to the United States, finds my apartment in San Francisco, knocks on the door. And then before you know it, It took a week and he's living at my place and I couldn't say no. And the one thing that he said to me and I told him, I was like, this is, I don't want weed a part of our lives. I just can't do it. I don't want to do that. And he's like, I'm never going to smoke again, blah, blah, blah. And I remember telling him, I was like, I'm going to smoke every now and then. Um, But I, I just know you, you love weed too much. And he's like, no, 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 not ever doing it again. Moves in, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, he's smoking weed. And then I'm the girl that goes in the room. I'm like, are you smoking weed? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, what? what's going on? And he's like, people change. And he just smoked weed. And I was just like, I didn't know. I, yeah, do you see the cycle? It's like it happened again. Yeah. And I let it. I let it. And then we were together for five more years. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, and then basically the same things were happening. Um, so the moral of this story is, is like, don't, I think women lose themselves a lot and it feels almost good to lose ourselves. Cause if you lose yourself in a safe environment, 
that's a lot of fun. You can close your eyes and then lean back and then just fly into like the safety net of and be crazy and fun and wild. Free, yeah, freedom. Freedom. But if you choose a, a toxic environment to do that in, you're not free falling. You're like suffocating. Um, so, this, but the thing is, it was the Cinderella story. You know, when some person looks at you and tells them that they love you and like connects with you and you feel this deep rooted connection and then you attach to them. No one ever told me that it was okay to say no. No one ever taught me that you can still have a deep love for someone and they're, but they're still not for you and you can walk away. No one ever told me you are prioritizing someone that's not even considering your feelings, you know? Um, and I feel like most of the time couples do this, they get in that Cinderella state, both of them, and then they get so attached. And then when the baggage starts coming out, they can't leave each other and they hate each other or they start resenting each other. That's how we bond. And there is lust and there's those chemicals, but they're kind of warm up chemicals. So then you can grow together and then you have that bond, but drop into a real relationship where you're ready to see the differences or you've acknowledged them a little bit in the past. And no, we're not taught this. Not taught it at all. Our movies are, you know, the struggle, like, oh boy, like, you know, the, you know, the chase, like you were talking about, and then ends, they're married happily ever after. Oh yeah. The whole happily ever after thing. I also realized too, relationships are, it, it, it doesn't stop. A relationship is constantly growing and evolving. Like it's work. It is work. It's another, it should be another passion of yours that you want to see grow and thrive and like succeed. But what's happening are people are just finding the pairing, getting in there and then kind of not taking responsibility of what a relationship is. Like it's, um, that's why I've been, <laughs> I've been single for quite some time. Of course, I've had little things here and there, but like truly I'm dedicating myself to this person because it's a lot of work and I'm no longer going to let someone get in the way of my path, which is very selfish. So finding someone that's kind of on the same path as me is very hard. Cause I also don't want to be the person that does what this guy did to me and basically say, it's me first. What I want to do is first and F you. If, if you get in the way of that, I'm not even going to budge. Um, so, and also seek help. Like that's what I was just going to say. How much work have you done on you? Oh my God. The, the real work didn't happen until after I finally broke it off with him because what I was doing in the meantime was, uh, ignoring it and uh, escaping. So again, I will say during the time that we were back in San Francisco together, I like, I was practicing my music four hours a day, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, constantly auditioning, constantly in shows, constantly busy. Um, but I wasn't listening to myself. I was applying for master's programs. One program, my dream school, Boston Conservatory of Music, I got into with scholarship. And I remember asking him, I was telling him, oh my God, I got into the school. Like, how do you feel about moving to Boston for two years? You know, and Boston has a great jazz scene. Like he would have been happy doing his guitar. And he didn't even consider it. He was like, I'm not moving to Boston. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, you're right. So I declined. 
And I just, I look back and I go, oh my God, I moved to a different country for someone for this person couldn't have taken, couldn't just sat me down and been like, let's talk it out like nothing. Um, so, and then it was finally, I got, um, I saw a therapist three sessions. It only took three sessions. And the third session I went home and told him. You were, you were, you were so ready. You just needed a little, little guidance. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people are like that. A lot of people, but here's the problem. I became a horrible partner because I was then, I was turning resentful. I was naggy. I was telling him how to live his life. If he wasn't home by midnight, I'd be like, where are you? (laughs) Horrible. Like I did not want to be that person at all. Like that was my nightmare to be that person. And I'm sure he felt like he was in a nightmare too. But then it was his problem too, because he wasn't letting go of me. We were both so codependent of each other. Um, so, co- and we like hate, like low key hated each other, but then we would smoke weed and then be like, oh my God, I love you so much. <laughs> and that all doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was so crazy, the loop. Um, but one of the things that pushed me over the edge was, So the apartment that we were in was owned by my grandma's friend. So I'm not going to say how much that she was charging me rent, but it was a really good deal. So um, he didn't have to work too hard. I was just going to say there. Yeah, I can see why he would want to stay there and not move to Boston. Yeah. So life was pretty easy. And finally, uh, he needed more money to pay for more guitar equipment. And so I was in the restaurant and bar business and I said, well, I'll get you a job. So I got him a job as a bartender. And then that's talk about addiction. Now he was around alcohol and there was things that were changing in his mannerisms. Like, you know, I know the business, the bar bars close at two. He'll be home at three, three thirty. The bar he worked at closed at midnight, I think. And he wasn't home until like 4 AM. And I was just like, now I start feeling uncomfortable. He, I am like, Hey, um, and then again, I didn't want to be that woman. So then I come well, then you're like, the one who made him get the job. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Um, but the weird thing that happened was I remember one time he just straight up said to me, he's like, Oh, there's this girl I work with. And like, she's super hot. And I'm like, why would you tell me that? Like, what, <laughs> why would you tell me such things? Like that's, I'm already insecure in the relationship, you know? And then, um, We had a party at my house, our house, and he was gone with this girl for like 40 minutes. And I found them downstairs in our music studio, which he ended up turning into his room. Because then we we didn't even sleep in the same room for like four years. Four years. Oh, yeah. Oh, we were like an old married couple. So weird. And we were so young. We were between the ages of 22 and like 27. And so, and so miserable, but hanging on to something. Oh, we were both hanging on to each other so tight, but like, weren't, we weren't complimenting each other. We were bringing the worst out of each other. Or at least for me, I felt like he was bringing, he seemed very happy. You know, he was practicing his music. Rent was extremely cheap. He had a girlfriend that was like, doting on him all the time, checking up on his health. Are you okay? Like, you know, let me bring all of my friends to your band's show, but it was pulling teeth for him to come to my shows. Like it was a whole thing. Um, so yeah, I went downstairs and they were in his room 
And I was like, what y'all doing in here? And he told me that they were doing lines of Coke. And I was like, okay, first of all, smoking weed and everything, that's fine. But if you're going to, it's like for you're doing Coke, um, wouldn't you want to, not that this is something that we'd want to do, but like, wouldn't you want to like your partner to do something like that's something that you would go with your partner and be like, oh my God, we're going to be bad. Let's like, let's do Coke together. And then we do it together, like making it an experience, whatever. But to, to go into his room with a girl for 40 minutes that he told me that he was super hot and they were like doing lines of Coke and just, wow. Well, I, I was like, oh my God, like what's happening? Um, that's when things started to crumble. And I was like, this is not the life I want. Like, I don't, this, I'm not interested in this at all. Um, so yeah, then I saw a therapist, which I was supposed to go to help me and my mental problems. Cause I was so uptight all the time. And I'm very glad that I had this therapist because he was on my side and he was in two he, sessions. He, val- he saw what was going on. Oh, yeah. In two sessions, he and what was so great about him is he just repeated what I said back to me. And he was like, does that sound like a happy person? And I was like, no. Uh, and then he told me, and this is what one of the reasons <laughs> This is so such a long, sorry, ramble. I talk a lot, but the main thing was that he told me, and it took me like a little time of thinking about it. He's like, because I then started blaming this, my boyfriend. I was like, he's doing this and blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, but you're saying yes to it. You're allowing it. You took him back after Vienna. He said he wasn't going to smoke and he's smoking, but you're still letting him live with you. You're still paying for most of the rent. Which is not a lot, but you're still paying for most of it. He's not coming to your shows. He's not supporting you, but you're still okay with that. So I was like, oh, this is my responsibility. Well, nobody else, either you were too embarrassed to tell other people, which I find clients come in and that's what happens is like, they're like, no, I haven't told anybody. I'm too embarrassed. And then you don't have a sounding board to reflect back then. And you didn't want to hear either that your relationship might be toxic too yeah. at the time. And I feel like women do this. I don't know. I don't want to speak for all women, but I no, did that. No, you're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. And we like, we're very, I think women are super strong. So, cause when I made this dedication to him, I was, I basically considered us married. I was like, whatever problems we go through, we're going to get through it. And I wish someone would have told me like, if it's not supporting you, if it's not feeding you, if it doesn't make you feel good, if you're depressed, it's okay to break up. Like it's okay to break up with someone who you thought was your soulmate. Yeah, but like, when you know, but the fairy tale love will conquer yeah. everything. And if you love someone, like you just told yourself over and over, you stick by them. Yes. But if they're tale. if they're not reciprocating the same thing, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize how brainwashed I was and how numb I was. Yeah. And that, because I think we got together so young, when you're young, this fairy, that's what we were fed. So I just didn't have the life experience yet to realize that's not true. And unfortunately, it was like between 21 and 27. I didn't have time to breathe and figure that all, all out for myself until very long into it. So I just, yeah, I just want to encourage people that are, if you're unhappy and that's okay, nothing's perfect in a relationship, but 
It's so valuable to seek guidance and become self-aware of yourself and your actions and your boundaries and what makes you feel good and what are your absolute no's. It's okay to have absolute no's. And it's okay to then tell someone, I'm so sorry, thank you for everything, but I can't do this and I wish you the best. Goodbye. Um, But that's not what the fairy tale tells you to do at all. So, yeah. It's like, because you said, I'm going to, you know, unconsciously, I'm just going to let go and give everything up for love. Everything up for love. Because I think we were trained like that, that peaks all and I... Yeah, everything up for love. And that's uh, not and that's not love. That and that's what love. we're taught. That's what we're taught. Yeah. So how did you heal? That's a long time to be in a relationship like that mm-hmm. and lose yourself. Oh my gosh. I'm still trying to find myself. We all <laughs> are. I'm like it's a, it's a, it's a it's a process always. Yes. Yeah. But it's so funny. One of the things is, is don't be so hard on yourself. I've done so much work around this relationship. I cannot tell you so much work around this. And just the other day I was in the car and you know, you've had a, I don't want to throw around the, the word trauma, but it's true. And it's, you know, everyone has their own feelings and experiences. I remember in Vienna, our door for whatever reason, didn't it shut all the way, but it was loose. So if the next door, the apartment next door shut their door really hard, our door would just do this rattle, like a little rattle. And I was in the car the other day and I don't know where it came out of. And I just, I heard the rattle and I was like, oh, and I was like, I'm still in that over this. No, but, um, it, it gets very ingrained in your neuropsychology and your neurology. It, it yeah. really does. And that's okay. And that's it like, is okay. yes, if, exactly. If anybody ever keeps bringing up a past, if, if I feel comfortable enough, I say, have you gone and seeked help for this? And un- there's, there's, there's a click in there. There's a loop that, that got stuck in the neural pathways that it needs to be evened out. So you can at least live life with some sort of comfort, like, you know, but I never look at those people and go, oh my God, they're talking about Marcus again or whatever. It's just like, let, that's their journey. Let them process it. Um, but yeah. So what was the question was what helped me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, therapy and starting to do self-awareness things like asking myself, why did I ignore the red flags? Yeah. Instead of feeling like the world controlled you, you kind of took your power back without judgment and questioned your your behavior and your thoughts and your motivations. Yeah. Everything. It's almost like you're an archaeologist of your whole psyche, body, spirit, everything, and just digging every little thing. Um, and going back also to your upbringing and, you know, were you brought up in a secure home? You know, the whole attachment styles. Are you anxious, avoidant? Like reading books, becoming a scientist on your own brain and just like, becoming so self-aware of who you are. Um, I also found yoga. I started doing yoga for the meditation and the pranayama and then the mindfulness. I love yoga. I know everyone's like, it's super popular now. So everyone's just like, oh, yoga. But it goes beyond asana. The the Well, the, yeah, I, you know, exactly. There's eight limbs. Uh-huh. And yeah. yes, and it's, and it's so ancient. So it, ancient. It, it is mind, body, spirit if you're, if you're in with the right teacher. 
totally does. It totally does. And um, I became obsessed with the chakra system because the chakra system is like a map to your entire psychology. Every chakra is uh, represents the different time frame in your life, a different personality trait, uh, foundations of who you are, and you just go through the entire chakra system, and like you have a whole psychological, a roadmap to your whole psyche. So yeah, it's just instead of going out, he did this, this happened, blah blah, blah to me, it happened to me. I said, no, why? Why did I? Why did I embrace this in my life? Why? Yeah. Taking responsibility. You took your power back. Yeah. And with the help of a professional is is needed. You know, you can do it on your own, but it, it'll it be messier, take longer. And, and it, you're so confused at that time when you're traumatized, too, that it, it's kind of hard to un-not oh, all, yeah. the layer, all the layers of what happened in having somebody as a sounding board to give suggestions and just to tell you it's you're okay. Yeah. And this oh, yeah. and what like your reaction is normal. Yes, that's another thing. It's okay to I felt so guilty for being the girl that was like, it's 2 a.m. Where are you? I somehow got it turned around that I was so nagging and I'm so horrible to be with. And I'm, he told me many times that I'm trying to control him, which yes. But what was happening was I was so scared that I was trying to control my environment. So I felt safe. Exactly. Because you, and you felt like that's what you needed to control. Yeah. And that's, that is not fair. That's not right. But that's what I did because that's all I knew what to do. But if someone were to just to be like, why don't you leave this relationship that's making you feel so out of control? Because you can't change this person, nor should you. And take care of yourself. Even if the relationship is going great, still seek talk to somebody. And that's more an- yeah, about. and that's another thing too. If you're not talking to people about it and you're hiding it, then something's amiss. Oh yeah, and yeah. Sometimes you don't even know you're hiding something from yourself. You know, but you don't know. There's a lot of part of our psyche that we don't know for a lot of a lot of reasons and healthy relationships can mirror back whether it be intimate relationships, friendships, family can mirror that back to you yeah. in, in a healthy relationship in that way as well. So you can get to know yourself but then you have to trust that person you know that they're giving you trustworthy responses yeah you do and you can't you can't also i feel like you can't put your partner in the place of being your therapist either what would you like to leave the listeners with (laughs) what you learned or what you hope that maybe somebody is in a relationship like this what you know what do you want to leave with them kind of like what you said it's gonna be okay it's going to be okay because there are some times in the relationship I felt like I was dead inside. Like I felt beyond depressed. I couldn't explain it. Like I was out of body, disassociated. It was horrible. I thought I would never get out. I thought my life was ruined. I gave up so I all the things. It's going to be okay. And I do believe 
you go through situations and relationships and phases and people and things to really benefit you and your own growth. So it's a ride and enjoy it as much as you can. Seek guidance, but it's going to be okay. And and you will get out of it or figure it out or get out the other side with positive um, positivity on the other end. But don't give up on yourself. Just you know, keep going and seek that guidance if you need it. And Jenna, you can really see that you have gotten to the other side of it. So listeners, people do, because this isn't an easy story to tell to a national podcast, to like listeners. And that really speaks volumes to how much you healed the shame and the hurt and the self-blame. Thank you. Yeah. To everyone, tell your story. Like yes. you never know who else is going through very similar things. That just needs to hear. Love is something we all deep down at the end of the day, we all want it. We all deserve it. But humans are complicated. So put yourself first in the least selfish way possible. Put yourself first and just become aware of who you are and do your best. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna, where can people find you? Do you have uh, any social media accounts that you can let people know about? Yeah, I have Jenna's Adventures, which is my personal account. I also lead yoga retreats and adventure retreats. Um, or you can go to shockercodes.com where you can discover your own unique chakra coding, which uh, also, depending on your dominant chakra, can tell you where in like in the relationship dynamic are your strengths and weaknesses or good compatibility. Um, and that website should be launched in November and you could type in your birthday and you get all your information, Amazing. your chart information. So yeah, chakracuts.com. Jenna, it's been a pleasure. I so appreciate you telling your story today. Thank you for letting me talk it out. I, it actually felt really good to just put it out of my body and into the world. Yeah. And you're right. I think more people need to be brave and an inspiration like you are and share their story. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much, Jenna. And thank you listeners for listening in with us on the Love Anarchy podcast in the Relationship Rebellion. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, mindset coach and love consultant signing off with you today. But before I do, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening in with us, because I know you have a myriad of podcasts that you can listen to. Please tell your friends about the podcast, and don't forget to like, subscribe, ring the bell. It supports the podcast so very much. If you'd like to become a part of the Relationship Rebellion community, Go on Facebook and find the Love Anarchy podcast page. I'd like to leave you with my favorite short but sweet quote. Love is the only true power. <laughs>